I think that we should talk more like this on the podcast. You do? Yeah. You think we should have like a yoga voice? Because then we get our ASMR crowd as well. I just don't know though if it were me listening, if I would want to listen. Do people talk like this? And I get that some people have a thing for it, but I feel like a person who genetically hates it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Ruby. And we are The Duality Project. And you're listening to The Self-Study Podcast. (laughs) The Duality Project is empowerment from the inside. We seek to live life on purpose so that we can more intentionally and intimately show up in our relationships and our communities. With a healthier perspective on self-development, we offer The Self-Study Program, one-on-one self-study coaching, and this podcast. And also something else. But we'll get to that in just a minute. (laughs) Surprise is coming. That support you in bridging the gap between who you want to be and how you actually show up. Through exploration and awareness, you'll discover a deeper understanding of yourself to become happier, healthier, and more grounded. We're so glad you're here, and we're so glad to be here. (laughs) Quite honestly, we've been trying to get this episode recorded for a hot minute. Yeah, but you know, we've been kind of busy. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we'll get to that. We'll get there. Um, Something that goes along with this podcast is the curriculum that we've put together called the Self-Study Program, and applications are open now. Yay! Um, The program starts in March. It's a 10-month program. There's plenty of information about this on our website, and we'll keep talking about it throughout the podcast. Um, But yeah, applications are open now, so go to thedualityproject.com and go ahead and apply. And let me point out one important thing about it is that the way we have set up the cohorts and application process is that... You go learn about self-study program. You're like, this is something I want to do. Then you send your application and then we have a call with you. Mm -hmm. So when you apply, it's not the same time that you like put a down payment. We want to really make sure that you want to be here and this is a good container for you to grow in. So we have a call with you and then, and then you get to the point of like choosing your payment plan or whatever. So I just, I just want to presence that, that like when you send the application, there are no strings attached to that. It is more like, um, Hey, I'm really interested. Let's make sure this is for me and get me signed up. Yeah. And the other thing is like, you're not going to not get into the program. Like you're not going to like not have the prerequisites that are necessary. That's not like the kind of application that this is. And though in that call, that part of that is to figure out like, is this the right fit? So that's what that's for. Okay. We also offer one-on-one self-study coaching. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, Via thedualityproject.com. Okay. Let's talk about our gratitude practice. What are you grateful for about yourself? Oh, about myself? I was going to go straight into what I'm grateful for about Ruby. Um, What am I grateful for about myself? Wow. Okay. Well, um, I am really grateful for the ways in which I have intentionally been trying to grow so that my life can feel the way that I like have always kind of like hoped and dreamed was actually possible, even though so many of the things that I hope and dream for, nobody has shown me how to do. And I'm really grateful for the way that like, because I believe it, I have this sense of like, because I can believe it, then it must be possible. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) And so I just have been, you know, like on purpose doing some things like no matter how uncomfortable they make me or no matter how other people feel about them that are like benefiting me Mm. in in big ways. Mm -hmm. 
Love that. How about you? I am really grateful for myself in that I've had some stuff going on in my family um, that has just been kind of like tough and invited and allowed space for the natural part of me that uh, caretakes. And I just like, I'm really grateful for the part of me that it's like really easy for me to support and be present with people um, and like offer what I can offer. And I, I really think I'm like very graceful at that as a skill. And I feel really grateful that I have that capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your family feels really grateful that you have that wow. too, Ruby. I feel really grateful that Ruby has that. What else are you grateful okay. for about me? <laughs> um, so I've just, I've just arrived where in, I'm in, we're in Ruby's home. We're together. We're together. It's so good. <laughs> but I've just gotten here and I've, I've shared this with, um, and most of Ruby's family was here this past weekend and I've shared it with the family. I've shared it with, um, Ruby, I've shared it with her husband, but like the energy that I, that is present with you, with your family makes me feel well. And it makes me feel like I can be myself. It makes me feel, um, like my feelings are allowed, that I am allowed, that there's just like a sense, a greater sense of ease to be myself when I'm with you, when I'm with Jake, when I'm with your family. And like, I can sense in my body, like, wow, I feel more well. I feel (laughs) weller. You're like, I'm serious about this. I feel better. Like I feel, I feel, my body feels less Mm. stiff. I feel like I can say things without go- doing like fucking somersaults in my head about like, can I, am I allowed to say this? Is this the right thing to, da- to say? Am I going to upset somebody? It's like, just like, it's like a breath of fresh air. And it just feels like I feel more um, connected to my own personal sense of like vitality mm-hmm. when I'm with you, when I'm with your family. And I'm really, really grateful that you all do that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks. Like literally in my life, but then also like literally right here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I'm grateful that Kate was born. <laughs> Kate is a December baby, so she has had a recent Birthdays. birthday. And we got to be with her on her I'm have I have I ever gotten to be with you Probably on your birthday? <laughs> so we won't go into this, but Kate has a... She doesn't care that much about birthdays or like celebrating, but like me and my family, we really like it. And um, it's been kind of funny because we all like want to celebrate you. They've all gotten me these like <laughs> sneaky gifts and then like pretended like, it wasn't a big deal. We're like, oh yeah, this is for you. <laughs> um, yeah, but for real, I'm just, I'm really grateful that you're born and I'm really grateful that you're a Sagittarius. Me too. Um, and so that you were born, like, exactly when you were born and um, whatever is in your – I'm kind of in a, into astrology. And so it's, like, whatever's in your chart really works with, like, what's in my chart. And that's so cool that I we get I'd to like be together. I think I'd like to mention that my birthday is 12-12 and Ruby's is 6-6. Six, six. Yeah. And I like that. That's like really that. cool. Yeah. Um, thanks, universe. And in addition to just, like, you being born, I feel really grateful for the energy that you bring and specifically, like, in the last – week of you being here I feel really grateful for just like the conversations that we get to have and like we talk really regularly when we're not together but then when we're together it's uh there's just like 
obviously less space between that. And so being able to just like have conversations in the moment and like go a little deeper, or, like stay up later to talk about it. Um, and that kind of like hominess. Yeah. I would feel yeah. really grateful that you like uh, allow and lean into that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you grateful for about our work? Oh, I love you so too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful for so many things about our work. You know, you just said that thing about hominess, and I th- I almost think that that's something that, like, I'm really grateful for about our work. Like, the way that we have always worked out of our homes mm. and really how that, like, sense of, like, um, comfort and ease and, like, that is the foundation of what we want our work mm. to be. And so even to go, like... You know, we like to bounce around to coffee shops and stuff, and I love that we do that. And and ultimately, I love that we often just work from our homes mm-hmm. and that that shines through in the work that we do in that it says, you know, like, we're recording right now from a bedroom. We're in comfy sweaters. I'm wearing my slippers. You know, like, I like that, that we believe that, it, that comfort and that we do comfort on mm-hmm. purpose. Mm-hmm. I love that about mm-hmm. our work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think that that makes – it's, like, an extra layer to the way that I just really believe we do we do a good job at re- making our work relatable mm-hmm. to people. Um, and so maybe you've noticed we don't sugarcoat no, things. No, we don't. And we – We're not very good And at we that. don't like the nature of pretending that's mm-hmm. present in our industry. And, yeah, what you're speaking to, like, is another layer of mm-hmm. how we embody that – authenticity Mm -hmm. honestly yeah Mm -hmm. and you know what I really like about that is that I feel like we've had a really big month yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so it's like that makes that like the fact that we are like committed to like comfort and like being in our bodies like I'm really proud of that we have set up our entire schedule next year to revolve around our menstrual cycles like that's a big deal because we both feel significantly different depending where we are in the cycle and the fact that we've like set it up for success for ourselves Mm -hmm. feels like so powerful in a way that nobody else has ever given us that Mm -hmm. yeah and then I think like the working from home and like prioritizing the comfort means I don't know that like the way the nature of our work in our relationship means that um if things if when things Mm -hmm. need to shift there's the softness required to Mm -hmm. allow that to be flexible instead of it being like this is how it has to be done or it won't get done yeah totally and, like, it's that trust mm-hmm. that is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a, anything? Do I have anything else? Um, grateful about our work. Well, okay. So I was posting some stuff to Facebook about our work last night. LOL. Fucking bar Facebook also. <laughs> <laughs> Business, meta, whatever is garbage. Like, truly user. And I haven't been on Facebook in so years. long that it looks, you know, like things are different. Completely different. And I feel like an old person. I'm like, why did they change this? <laughs> but I was, I was like writing out all the stuff that we have going on so that, you know, because it's a different, different people are friends with me on Facebook than follow me on Instagram mm-hmm. or whatever. And just kind of like updating the world and what I'm really grateful for about our work is this piece that has always been present which is like I have for my whole life done the most to make sure that I'm always becoming Mm -hmm. and I'm like being a better human Mm -hmm. and like learning how to be in better relationship with people and myself and I've just really dedicated like my personal 
inner outer life to that pursuit with myself Mm -hmm. and I feel so grateful that the work that we're up to is creating containers for y'all to do that in your lives as well Mm -hmm. and yeah you know there are other scenarios that could have played out where I'm still the way I am but then my work doesn't revolve around that and I'm just so grateful that I get the uh, like satisfaction, honestly, of being able to share something that feels so important in how I show up as a person mm-hmm. with other people. And like, yes, one, like attract people who are also up to that. But then also like, I hope to inspire people to want to be better people. Totally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as do I. And I'm grateful we get to do that in just like a really direct way. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, like to piggyback on that, what I'm also grateful for is the ways that I've seen uh like in the past many years of people who have like participated in this stuff with us in our work with us that I consider like yeah the work that we do like as in like service but then also like the work that we do just like in being humans Mm -hmm. like that the people who do that then it's like you know like we've seen people just like up level their lives I'm just grateful to get to watch people who I'm grateful to watch the ripple effect. Yes. Of, of goodness. Yes. Of people who are trying to do better. And I, and something that feels important when I say goodness is like, not that you don't make mistakes or not that people aren't going to become upset with you or not that there are going to be people out there who really, to their core, feel like they are going to be like, yeah, I really hate those two. It's like, okay, <laughs> that is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, goodness is in like, Ruby said to me the other day something about, like, because you're here, that makes it. I was kind of, like, turning in on myself, like, why do I feel this way? And you're like, because you feel that way, it is that you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason for that. There's mm-hmm. a point to yeah. it. There's. It's, yeah, it's presence means something. Or it's presence yeah. is, like, showing something or pointing to something. Like, yeah. it always matters. It matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, the more that we uncover about ourselves, the more that we're uncovering those things that matter to us. Mm-hmm. And that they're oh, – I just believe that there's a purpose in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a really cool thing about it, too, and then we'll move on, but is is the part that's, like, we have people who we've worked with for so many years. And so – if you can imagine for yourself when you're like wow five years ago I've really come so far and you can reflect on that like with yourself Mm -hmm. like and I do that with myself and then we have people who we've been working with for that long and so you just mentioned like people really up leveling their Mm -hmm. life but then like we've gotten to watch that also in a lot of people as a natural process so you know like the self-study practice is not about um you know it's not about magically making three wishes like going to bed and waking up and your whole life's different or like imploding your life right Mm -hmm. it is a uh over time Mm -hmm. things evolve kind of practice just like life and we've gotten to witness that in people and that in and of itself is just such a beautiful gift because it's like oh I saw you here and then I saw you here and now you're here and good job yeah the the proof that we get to see out in the world of people um growing you know, because sometimes I really am like, uh, I'm about to have to say a thing and then we're not going to be in a relationship anymore. Speaking of the theme of the day, boundaries. boundaries. <laughs> wow, bless. Okay, so what was our last theme, Ruby? Do you remember? You remember the theme that comes before boundaries? Freedom. Oh my God, I thought it was courage. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, you're right. You have courage, and then you get freedom, and yeah. then you realize, yeah. oh, fuck. In order oh, to damn. preserve and, like, honor this freedom, mm-hmm. there are some boundaries that I haven't mm-hmm. been setting. Yes. And you heard on one of the podcasts, we talked about um, the river of integration. And that is like on one side, there's like a river or you're in the river. You're in the river. On one side, it's like complete chaos over here. And then on the other side, it's like total structure, brick wall. And like where the river flows, which is where like your vitality is, which is where you as a person like flow, move forward, grow, evolve. Um, That happens like in between those Mm -hmm. two things so like but if you're on the bank where there's like total chaos that's where that's like when sometimes okay like I had an experience recently after I sold the business I was like oh my god the world is my oyster and then I was like oh my god the world is my oyster you know because then it's like it's so free and like I needed to kind of like it felt like way huge and way big out here and then I needed to kind of like focus in and like Mm -hmm. figure some shit out in order to move forward and then at the same time so that's what it feels like to have like way too much freedom and then what it feels like to have like way too much structure is like who am I in this place Mm -hmm. like what Mm -hmm. do I even want what do I need Mm -hmm. I'm just like doing what the world tells me to do Mm -hmm. and being who the world tells me to be and saying what the world tells me to say Mm -hmm. and that doesn't feel free at all yeah for some reason an example that's coming into my mind is like I don't know why I'm thinking about movie stores from the early 2000s, but did you have did you have a little like we didn't have Blockbuster because I'm from such a small town. Oh. It was called like Video Time or something and Adorable. locally owned. But yeah, like having too much freedom is the decision I okay, decision paralysis yeah, totally. that I used to feel going into the video store on a Friday night and trying to like what do I want to watch? Mm-hmm. But then like the overstructure would be like if I was if my remedy to that was like I then I only watch rom-coms. Totally. And yeah. then, like, when I go in, I can only choose from this one section, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm like, I only watch JLo movies. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and I love a JLo movie. Yeah, totally. But that, that like, limits the capacity to experience yeah. anything else. Totally. And so, having for yourself the, in, the river of integration and the way that boundaries helps once you've experienced freedom is in saying, okay, 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 okay. So you realize there was like too much rigidity and you weren't choosing the rigidity. So now we have bursted forth in courage and accessed freedom. Mm-hmm. And then like you said, it's like, okay, but like, but like what? But like what? <laughs> but like where, how, when, like where uh-huh. does my energy go? Like, someone told me what to do and then boundaries says like okay well let's let's go to the inner resource Mm -hmm. of your own knowing and set some parameters and structures that work for you yeah and it's like the process of learning like what feels good and what doesn't feel good what feels right and what doesn't feel right and when when I say right I mean like right according to you right now right thing right now Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so anyway, since we've talked about that a little bit, we actually do have some housekeeping that we want to get into. Ah, we have some that. like huge, monumental, Kate has written big hairy ass <laughs> news. And when I wrote that down, Ruby goes, ooh, that makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's because, it's because, you know, that acronym that is BHAG. Big, with, hairy, audacious goals. And it's setting. the word audacious yeah. that I can uh-huh. never remember. Mm-hmm. And so I always have thought it's been big, hairy ass goals. I like it. Big, hairy ass. Big, hairy ass This goals. is a merch idea. <laughs> well, yeah, totally. Speaking of merch ideas. <laughs> we have a new, we have a shop. And, <laughs> and it's called the You're Doing Great Shop. Um, the name of our 
um, like umbrella, the umbrella name of our business is you're doing great. And, and we decided to choose that because, um, because when people come into their self work, their self work, their self study practice, whatever, a lot of times they feel like I'm failing and I'm not good enough as a person. And in fact, most people who enter any of our work, it comes, they're coming in with a place from a place of, I am not enough. I'm not good enough. And what I will echo in that for me specifically is this idea of like, I'm too much. And that's the same thing. It's the same story of like, no matter, no matter whether you're not enough or too much or too this or not enough that it's still like, I don't don't have the right ingredients. I don't have the right (laughs) ingredients and there's something wrong with me basically. Um, and so like, it seems like a silly thing to, but like when you, when somebody who you like who who you like really admire or love or or like impacts your life in a big way says like hey Kate I think you're doing great I'm like you do and they're like <laughs> yes and I'm like wow because that's not what I've been feeling and so like you're doing great you are doing great you are doing great and like you can't do anything bigger and better than what you're doing if you if you can't get to a place of like, I'm doing great, so therefore I can keep going. Absolutely. So that's why it's all called the You're Doing Great Shop. And we have some excellent really crew neck sweatshirts that are just on the back in huge print, You're Doing Great. Yeah. We've designed some spiral notebooks in there, you know, like get one and let it be your journaling practice. There are some uh, like tall stainless steel tumblers, and then there are also some small wine, wine tumblers. tumblers. <laughs> And I don't know, um, you you can use them to make hot toddies. And I'm less of a wine gal, I'm more of a hot toddy gal. Tell us about your hot toddies. Hot toddies? Here's what I believe a hot toddy to be. <laughs> it's hot. The two main ingredients are hot water and then either whiskey or bourbon. Mm-hmm. From there, you can do anything. The other night I made all of us ginger, ginger powder, vanilla, like a lot of ginger powder. Ginger powder, vanilla. Lemon. Lemon, a whole half a lemon, and then maple syrup. Mm-hmm. That was a delicious hot toddy. Mm-hmm. I like maple syrup. I also like honey, but I prefer maple syrup. But I don't know what a traditional hot toddy is. But to me, I went through a winter of, of kind of drinking hot toddies like tea. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was just like <laughs> making them. And all of a sudden, one night, I was like driving <laughs> with a hot toddy to a basketball game at Belmont University in Nashville. And I was like, Kate Moore. You're drinking and driving. Drinking and driving. And not only are it's like not like you're having a beer, you're having a bourbon cocktail (laughs) in a mug. And so, anyways, I just love a hot toddy and they feel warm and good in my spirit. And these cute little wine tumblers will keep them warm for you. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Let's see what else do we have in there? We have some sweatpants, we have some t shirts. Yeah. We have a hat, and some really great canvas bag options. Yeah, totally. Okay, and should we talk about Heartland? Since you'll see some of wow. the merch has Heartland on it. And what is Heartland? Well, shout out to Lindsay. Lindsay. What's her last name? Canes. Lindsay Canes. Is that her married last name or her maiden last name? It literally doesn't matter. I don't know. If but she's shout out name. to Lindsay Canes. And she's also a photographer. So if you If you like her photos... <laughs> Shout out to Lindsay Kames. <laughs> For so many things. And she's come to heartfelt retreats. She did the self-study program. She's She came to the gym for years and she's years. She's been taking pictures of us for totally. seven years. Yeah, wow. Oh, my God. And we do this exercise in um, one of the... One of the programs. Yeah. And we are writing a... Was it a love letter? Letter to yourself. Yeah. yeah. 
And she, something that we actually got this idea from um, Ruby's sister Molly was to like in writing a letter to yourself to use um, like a pet name for yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, Molly's that she used was your biggest fan, like love your biggest fan, meaning like herself. And that's really stuck with me. Um, That's another merch idea. (laughs) Where's my pen and paper? (laughs) Gotta make a note. I know, right? Um, But Lindsay wrote hers to like Heartland and that was like what she was kind of envisioning her life is to be like a is to be heartland Mm -hmm. you know like if you live in i don't know wherever you live it's like the name of your place Mm -hmm. heartland and so um we just really loved that and that just really struck a chord for us and so something that's coming in the new year is heartland the online community yes Um, yeah where we'll have um, like virtual classes will be there, community will be there, conversation will be there. Um, yeah. Extra, basically miniature episodes of mm-hmm. podcasting will be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're really excited. Yeah. What else would you want in a community like that? Oh my gosh. Let us know. Please email us and let us know. Yeah. Our email address is connect at the duality project.com. So yeah, the You're Doing Great Shop is our first announcement and you can uh the link is in the show notes but you can also get there via the duality mm-hmm. click on shop yeah Wait, what's our set are we going for the big one next I don't know. <laughs> okay let's just get the second announcement okay. is that we've already Fine. mentioned yeah. uh, applications are open for the 2023 self-study programs totally there are three this year three cohorts three cohorts this year um the first one is for 20 somethings if you're in your 20s this one is for you. That's what 20 something is. And honestly, means. I'm just so excited. It's going to be too. just a ball. And like, you and know. And also, if you're in your 20s, this episode right now is like yours. It's for you. Yeah, totally. Truly. Uh-huh. I mean, it's keep for listening. everybody, but like, yeah, keep listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, cause, you know, Kate and I are <clears throat> basically 20 somethings. And we spent 10 years being 20 somethings. And and really like doing the most mm-hmm. in our twenties and doing a lot of this work in our twenties mm-hmm. and feeling really alone in our twenties. Truly. And we just believe that doing this work and feeling alone don't have don't have to go together so intensely. Totally. You know, it's like there should be community for that. And especially as someone in your twenties, if that speaks to you, um there there, it can be really hard to find community, right? It can mm-hmm. be really hard to find like-minded community. Totally. People who are on the same page and want the same things, which is like a full on purpose and enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the other night, like especially in reflecting on how grateful I am for um, Ruby and her family and her mother, um, is that you remember a couple years ago at the end of Heartfelt, we were at your mom's house in Georgia and she was just like, Kate, you know, like what's up? And I was like, I just feel so lost. And this might have been 2019 Mm -hmm. because I, like, could sense that, like, big shifts needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And I felt I didn't know what they needed to be. I didn't know what was coming. You know, like, how can you? And I just remember telling her, like, I feel so lost. And I don't feel that way anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. But I do think that, like, the decade of being in your 20s mm-hmm. is a roller coaster yes. of feeling lost and found over, over and, over and over and over again and having a little bit of, like... Whiplash. Yeah, from all of that. Really, the whiplash. <laughs> my neck. My back. <laughs> Anyways, 
So yeah, the cohort for 20-somethings, that's open now. Um, the cohort for helping professionals. So mm-hmm. this is like therapists, coaches, anyone in the medical field in any capacity. Truly. Like any professional who does helping as their job mm-hmm. and their work. And and this is the one especially that I feel like is just so self-explanatory, right? Because we know that these helping professionals, not only have they been, been called to do more mm-hmm. than ever in the mm-hmm. last few years, it is always a job that requires the whole being. Truly. And then, yes, and the systems for these professionals are and we consider ourselves in this field of like helping professionals you know like seeing one-on-one clients and really having to listen to somebody like unload their major life challenges and your list that's what you're hearing people do back to back to back to back all day if you're working in a hospital or something people aren't just coming in there to tell you how great they're doing and that's not why they're there and your work and the helping professionals work is to hold Mm -hmm. really empathetic Mm -hmm. space and what a beautiful gift like we both have therapists love them i will say over the summer i had never met my therapist in real life because we'd done everything virtually i scheduled a session with her you know (laughs) and it cost me 150 dollars to see her for an hour and i scheduled a session with her in real life just to tell her you have changed my life thank you for the work that you do and i'm really i'm i love that anyway i think she loved it too anyways um but what i was saying about like so, like, that's what's necessary. It's necessary for people like us to, like, have to be in our bodies, to, like, listen to the hardest parts of people's lives all the time, to be with them in that. And then also the systems are not set up for people to be well who work in these fields. Or to recover or integrate yeah. on their own, right? And so it can also feel very lonely in this Truly. profession to feel like, oh, my gosh, then I've spent all day holding – all of this intentional space and really hearing about like traumatic experiences of people or like just really tough Mm -hmm. stuff that they have going on and then I've got to go home to my family but like I know because of my profession that it's not um ethical and also not like beneficial to then go dumping that on my family and so like but they need me to show up for them so Mm -hmm. what is the in-between and how do I take care of myself and often too these professionals are so busy mm-hmm. that there's like all there is time for is the essentials right the totally. responsibilities and so like through the self-study program there is a container for you to come honestly just like receive and express and like get filled back up and like mm-hmm. the intentional space for you to set aside for yourself i'm just like really My passionate goodness, about totally. Well, and not to mention that, like, yeah, all that, but then most therapists, especially maybe maybe most therapists, coaches, you know, people like that, helping professionals that I know, maybe like 35 and below also take on that role in their actual oh, lives. Oh, yeah, with their friends and stuff. Yeah. Or strangers. Truly. Because, <laughs> like, you know, most therapists, you know, you kind of, like, they have kind of like a vibe. And it's like people out in the world sense that vibe. And this happens to us all the freaking time. It's wild. Um, but like, um, the, which is why boundaries is a really important part because like you have to be able to say to like the people in your life, like, hey, I love you so much. I, I, um, 
can't hold space for this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to be quiet. I need to go inward for myself. I love you. Can I help you find a therapist that can mm-hmm. help you work through this? Mm-hmm. So like, so that that role that is like your job isn't also your burden mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in one of these professions, self-study program is for you. If this category doesn't apply to you two things to take away one share the self-study program with your therapists coaches and helping professionals and two like like you mentioned you did with your therapist in the summer like make sure you're taking time to express earnest appreciation for the work that they do yeah because like it's we're not besties I don't know anything about my therapist's life because she's got boundaries, you know? Like, when we sit down, she's like, okay, go. And I'm like, okay, here's where I'm at. You know, but, like, I think I think it was good for our relationship, our therapist-client relationship, for me to really be like, you know, hey, I just wildly appreciate you. You know, mm-hmm. she kind of teared up a little. Oh, that Tinder. Yeah. Last one, last cohort. Take it away. This is this is your passion. Mine. I mean, I love it too. But you're just a little closer to it right now. Okay, so parents. Parents and caregivers. Because Kate has been truly taking care of her niece full time for a year and a half. Yes, and also something that that I we've talked about on a podcast recently and something that I've like come uh that I have gotten present to is that children have like, when I started the gym, I started the gym because the little Kate needed mm-hmm. this space. And so children are um, wildly important to me. Mm-hmm. I have always felt really connected to children and even to, like, um, yeah, like, what does it mean to be a parent? What does it mean to be a caregiver? Like, and I think uh, part of, part of like... We also had a request for this one. We had a request for the parent cohort from um, one of the 2020 participants who was like, I really needed this and I really needed more parents in here Um, because it is a specific um, life experience that like if if you don't have children or you're Mm -hmm. not a caretaker of children, then like it is impossible to understand Mm -hmm. Truly. Mm -hmm. And also, though, like, you know, because the script for society is kind of like, grow up, do this, get married, have kids, retire, die, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I don't know. Like, not everybody is equipped to be a parent. Um, Most of the people who are parents are not equipped to be parents. And, like, choosing to become a parent, and I'm not saying that every single person is given a choice in Mm -hmm. whether to become a parent, which is why I think it's so important for people to be able to choose whether or not they are ready to be a parent. Because parenting is, we are raising the next generation of human beings. And so it's like, it's an intentional role that you take on Mm -hmm. just like it's just like if I'm not prepared to be the president of the United States if I have zero experience doing this it's inappropriate for me to apply I don't know what I mean no one has an experience before they get there (laughs) that's the same thing with parents 
parents, right? If you're a first time parent, yeah. it's like you've never been a parent before. But now you're in charge. But now you're in charge and there are and the way that you are, uh what the way that you communicate, what your what your understanding of your role as a parent and is, how you're continuing to take care or not of, of yourself, yourself impacts your child and everyone else in your life. Yes. And I think it's so cute, you know, I did say this is like I wanted Kate to take it away, but I think it's so really precious that Kate and I both have this like uh we didn't know each other when we were like in hi- in high school mm-hmm. or like early college, but like I know for myself and I'm just imagining both of us wherever we were. Like we have this like uh pull towards parenting as a concept mm-hmm. and like how important it is and my mom took parenting very seriously and so I'm sure that part of that is like what passed down to me Mm -hmm. and I just really appreciate her efforts in her parenting and I recognize how important it was but like yeah my degrees in education Mm -hmm. I thought when I was a sophomore in college I was so convinced that I would never marry when I graduated I would just move somewhere and work at and then eventually run my own orphanage (laughs) and I was so convinced of this that I went to another country and worked at an orphanage Uh for the summer and And I still just really, like, feel that way. Like, I want kids one day, but the concept of parenting Mm -hmm. feels even, like, a bigger calling to me. Mm -hmm. It's tied to me having my own children and parenting them, but then, like, the education of what is good parenting is, uh, feels like a really big deal to both of us. And not, you know, like... Not all young people are just sitting around thinking, like, parenting is important. Truly, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also, like, yeah, it... Okay, and what the self-study practice also does is it is inherently a process of reparenting yourself Mm -hmm. in ways that, like... Maybe as you're growing, you're recognizing, like, wow, I didn't get this need met by my parents, and so... Now that I'm a um, now that I'm an adult, the really cool thing is is that I can do this for myself now, and I can create community around this mm-hmm. where I get this as an adult. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we're always growing, and and part of that is that we're always nurturing. Mm-hmm. You know what's so cool is that what <laughs> is that I it is typically the default for parents to. Like, when we're not thinking about what we're doing, right, we run on the automatic autopilot. And it's typical for that to be some form of expression directly uh, as a direct product of how we were parented. And so Mm -hmm. whether that is, like, mimicking and mirroring that behavior as a parent yourself or doing the exact opposite as Mm -hmm. a parent yourself, but with no, like, forethought or, like, intentionality around it, right? Mm-hmm. It just, like, happens automatically. And so, like, with the self-study practice and specifically the self-study program for parents, you are learning to reparent yourself alongside parenting your child yeah. and choosing a new future, really, for both of you. Truly. And, like, you know, something that I love about um, children is the way that they are mirrors for us. Um, so the other day, my sister, um, she had had like a really busy day at work and, and I was, I was living there and I was home when she got home and she was having a really busy day at work. And then another one of our friends had been like rushed to the hospital because she was having, um, like contractions or something. And then, so anyways, there was like some hustle and bustle. So she goes to pick her daughter up from daycare. Um, then she's on the phone when we get in the, when they get in the car, 
you know, like the baby's trying to talk, but she's like having to do all these other things. Then she gets home and then something else happened, you know, so that just like there was never, um, there wasn't a moment where the two of them really got to connect. And so all night long, the baby was just like clinging to her and fussy and frustrated. And there was really kind of nothing like I couldn't, couldn't really help because the two of them just needed to connect. The baby just needed to connect with mom. And, um, it just like, it was really hard for that to happen. And so like, you know, the baby goes to bed and I was like, I could tell my sister was really frustrated and I was just like, how you doing? And, and she was just like, I hate that I, I hate that I wasn't able to connect with her in the way that she really needed me to today. And because I was all flustered, she was all flustered and we were able to have that conversation. And I think I was able to say to her, you know, like, you know, Sarah, this doesn't make you a bad mom. You know, you're still an excellent mom. And in fact, like what makes you especially excellent is that you have, you have the awareness that you even recognize that in this moment. Yeah, Yeah, Uh of course. And, um, you know, so like things happen, life happens and the way that we respond to what we're being shown um, by our children and by the children in our lives is a really huge deal. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I wonder if my, if this also comes for me from, um, I always wanted a dog growing up and my parents were always like, you're not responsible enough to have a dog. And so then I started a business called Pet Care by Kate. I made a budget, the whole nine yards. I made got up, made all this money one summer and I was like, I'm getting a dog. And they, they really instilled in me, like your behavior your your dog is a reflection of your own behavior. And I wonder, you know, like that even speaks to how my parents felt how important parenting is because it's everything. The, the, the energy that you bring to this room impacts the room and you have a responsibility here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also parenting and children in general have a way of, b- because we all have some reparenting that still mm-hmm. needs to be done, they really have a way of... Um, mirroring Mm -hmm. the child in ourselves you know and I even noticed like I don't have any children in my life like on a regular basis right now but I even noticed like we'll talk some about feelings later Mm -hmm. when I have like big feelings I watch myself Mm -hmm. like turn into my child self totally there's this picture from me at of me at Ruby's wedding, and I'm fussing at somebody, <laughs> and I feel embarrassed. By what that are you talking about? Because I wanted, I wanted to jump in the pool, and I needed oh, Bradley yeah. to unbutton my dress, and he like didn't wasn't helping me or something. Yeah. And there's this picture of me going like, I told you I needed you to do it. <laughs> Anyway, oh, um, that's so oh, I was just gonna say one other thing, mirroring the like our own inner children. Oh, and also again, like something that's just really important about our self study practice is recognizing too, like, um, you know, like I've been able to live with my sister and my niece, and like, and and the community aspect of having children. And it's mm. like also like parents are ha- then all of a sudden having to meet parents and caregivers, like whatever. Like, you feel like your title mm-hmm. is in that situation. I would argue that, like, we all do parenting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whether you do it on purpose or not. Um, if you're interacting with a child, you're doing parenting. Um, and, um, like, the our systems are not set up well for parents to feel supported both as human beings mm-hmm. and as human beings, adult human beings who have taken on the role of parenting. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's often so little scaffolding. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the idea of reparenting is going, okay, what systems do I need in my life? And how can Mm -hmm. I actually make this possible for myself? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what the self-study program for parents cohort is like. Mm -hmm. And again, honestly, with any of these cohorts, it may not be your cohort. And if there's a cohort that you are hoping we do, please reach out and let us know. And... Send this to these people who in your life who fall into these categories. Truly. Yes. What a gift just to bring their attention to it. Yes. And drum roll, if you are not hearing yourself being named, like Ruby said, tell us that you, you know. Are you just going to like cruise right into this? Yes, I am. We're not going to do like a drum roll? What? Drum roll. This is like the big announcement of the day. <laughs> We have a new journal available. It's a journal and workbook. It's called the My Self-Study Practice Journal and Workbook. It's available on Amazon. It's 200 pages of questions, prompts, exercises, inquiry, places for you to obviously journal about them. Mm -hmm. It takes you through all nine themes. It takes you through the entire program on your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is honestly incredible. Mm Mm-hmm. And we can't wait for you to get it. You can buy it on Amazon. You just got to search my self-study practice. practice. My yeah. self-study practice. And or, since we are the co-authors, I am I bet you could search her name. <laughs> Ruby and I are co-authors. Co-hosts, co-founders. Co-authors. Co-authors. All of, all of it. Yeah, totally. Well, I love that. <laughs> Together, because, to, like, as a reminder that we're not alone. Truly, yes. Okay, and, and speaking of that literal part is that Like, we've been doing this together intentionally, you know, for a very long time. And also, that sense that I had in my 20s of, like, feeling so alone. Both of us kind of were talking about this recently. Like, wow, we have had this, like, lifelong sense of being alone. And recently that was, like, triggered for me a little bit. And But then I was here with Ruby. And um, I am not alone in the world anymore. I'm just not. No mm-hmm. matter, And I'm not saying, like, just because I have Ruby. Like, I'm not saying, like, it's only because, you know, like, if I don't have Ruby, I will be alone again. But I am saying, like, I have a – the entire sense of my life has changed. Mm-hmm. I'm just giggling because I'm like, practice. if I didn't have you, I would feel alone again. Um, <laughs> it is very interesting because I have also been having um, some, like, random activations around mm-hmm. feeling alone. They just feel really out of the blue to me. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm just like in a meltdown. And mm-hmm. I was having one of these a few weekends ago. And yeah, you know, I was like sobbing. And Jake was like, what, what are, what's going on? And I was just like, I have spent so much of my life feeling alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was just like, you don't ever have to be alone again. Yeah. You've got Jake and Kate. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. And so, therefore, <laughs> that is like, oh, that is what we know to be true that your self-study practice can offer to you. Well, and what I want to point to, obvi- obviously, I really do feel that way about you and Jake mm. and specifically my mom and my sister too. But like, what the self-study practice gives us is the capacity to build the kinds of relationships that allow support love, vitality, abundance in our lives. So like it also gives me the knowing that 
Oh, heaven forbid, by some tragic turn of events, I lost all of these people in my life who make me feel not alone. I know that I have the resources to find the people who will also meet me where I'm at because there are 7 billion people on the planet. Mm -hmm. Totally. And also, you know, we live in Colorado now. And I've lived in a very small place in Colorado. And so it's like sometimes you are actually, in fact, limited by just the people who are around you, right? And also, um, when you learn who you are and what you need and what you want, you can communicate that to other people. And, and there it's a process of developing relationships. So the process of developing relationship with yourself, developing the relationships with other people so that we learn how to meet each other and mm-hmm. love each other and not feel alone together. And make sure everyone's needs get met Mm -hmm. totally yeah okay so get your my self-study practice journal workbook on amazon Mm -hmm. now link is in the show notes now press pause (laughs) go to the show notes click on it so it opens in your app there's you know the button that says buy now use your default payment method true make sure it's in your at your house in two days and part of the journal what it says is we do this together so that we are not alone buy one for somebody else i also just want to point out like you need to do it right now because you're in the throes of the holiday season and like to have a place to land and be like, I'm sorry, you know, I don't know, tell the people in your life that you've signed up for a course because you have for yourself with yourself and be like, I'm sorry, I got to go do my homework for an hour. And you just go sit and you read and you journal or don't and just sit. Yeah, I think you should do that. Me too. (laughs) Yes, do it. Okay, welcome back from pausing and going and buying the self-study practice journal. Let's get into it. We're talking about boundaries. We sure are. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. Um, we're obviously going to tell you some stories about boundaries. And before we dive into boundaries, though, we have to talk about feelings and needs. Because boundaries are things that we set. They are energetic boundaries. They are like physical boundaries. They are hard no's. And also boundaries are hard yeses. Like where there's a no in your life, it can be really great to realize like, okay, if I say no to this, then I'm saying yes to something else. And if I say yes to this, I'm also saying no to something else. There's always both. There's always a relationship between a boundary and a possibility. Yeah. Wow. Fun. Wow. Okay. So, um, there's a, um, new blog post out on the website and it's about feelings and needs and you need to go do it. There's also a downloadable PDF. And also, since you've already bought the journal, this is going to be in your journal. And the link is in the show notes. Uh-huh. Um, and the But the, the PDF is free, though. So, mm-hmm. you know, you won't get your journal for two days, but you could go download this yeah. this afternoon or whenever, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as you finish listening to this. And when it comes to feelings and needs, so like boundaries, right? Like you can set them whether or not you're aware of how, why, when, which ways up. Mm-hmm. And... When you have a practice of identifying and like recognizing and articulating with yourself for yourself your feelings mm-hmm. and therefore being able to um, explore what the need could be, mm-hmm. then that practice 
directly informs boundaries in a way that make your boundaries more effective for you. Totally. And also part of that's in the journal is about is, you know, we've talked about the theme of trust and like what's necessary for like trustworthiness. And something that's really important in your boundary setting is do you have a trustworthy no? Mm. Um, so I was, I was telling <laughs> Ruby and Jake about this, this thing okay. in my family and it's called my grandmother's maiden name was Dawson. And they, we have this thing in my family that like everybody kind of thinks is a joke and I'm like, you guys, that's fucked. But like they call it the Dawson no. And the Dawson no means that like, um, like as a child, you said to say, say like, Hey, can we have this? And she'd go, no. But what the Dawson no means is that you just have to ask multiple times and then it's going to turn around. So, but what that also says is like, I don't believe you in like the, what you're, we teach people how to treat us in the boundaries that we set, mm-hmm. in the way that we treat ourselves, in the way that we treat others. We're showing people like, this mm-hmm. is what's acceptable for me. So if you're, okay, if you're a parent. This is so important for parents. Yes. I'm like having flashbacks to when I was Pretty a child. Yeah, I'm like having flashbacks to when I was a kid. And my very best friend, um, our, our moms just like parented differently, right? And Classic. so like my very best friend's mom was was kind of like that like we would ask for something and then she would say no and then my friend was like literally she will say yes we just have to like keep Mm -hmm. asking and we'll just keep asking over time and eventually she will say Mm -hmm. yes and then we will get to do the thing or have the thing or whatever and like uh my mom on the other hand and I had to just over and over with all my friends I had to really it was hard to explain Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of my friends had the experience of yeah. my best friend. And it was really hard to explain when I was like, tired. when my friends were like, why can't we do, like, can't you do this? Or like, can't we do this? And I was like, my mom said no. And they were like, can't you just ask her again? And I was like, you all do not understand. And I have tried. No. And when she, when I ask again, it just gets firmer and it is not good for me. And when she says no, she really means no. And what's hilarious about it is by the time we were in high school, all my friends' moms were defaulting to my mom. They would be like, if Sheila says you can do it, then you can. That's because there was this element of, A, Sheila trusts herself. She has good reason. She has good reason for her. And even trusts her intuition. You know, like a lot. She will even like, and she would express this even in high school. And with knowing that we may or may not understand what she was saying. That's what I'm saying. Is she would be like, I don't. Have like the answer is because I said so, and I just have a gut feeling that I don't want you doing that today. Mm-hmm. And I, that's it. Yeah. End of end of discussion. Thank you. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. And like it's like maybe like and it, when I think about like what is that teaching your kid? What is that boundary of teaching your kid? I trust my guts. Teaching them is it like I trust you when you trust yours. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing mm-hmm. to be teaching a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're a parent, it's just like so essential. Because also, I mean, of course, in your parenting, and honestly, in the long run, it makes your parenting easier. Because like, mm-hmm. I was not asking my mom things over and over. Mm-hmm. When she said yes or no, I knew that that was it. And then she didn't have to energetically deal with yeah. me begging her or whatever. And you didn't have to... It doesn't feel Put good on a show to, to try to get my parent. way. Yeah. And then... Oh my gosh. And then you're raising... like. The parents yeah. who do that raise adults who, unless they reparent themselves otherwise, are begging to get their way out in the world. That fucking sucks. Ugh. Because, like, why would you want to continue asking somebody who said no? I don't want to have to convince you to 
be with me or whatever. Mm -hmm. And also, ew, there's like a sense of entitlement when you are raised with like, if you just keep asking, eventually they're going to say yes. In fact, one time I went on a date with this guy named Sam (laughs) and uh, like, I forget, maybe the first date I remember was really great. The second date though, maybe... Oh, I don't know. I don't even remember what happened. But he asked me a bunch of different times. And literally, finally, I just said yes so that I wouldn't have to do it again. And I was like, why did you, like, what is the deal? Why do you keep asking me this? You know, hoping he'd be like, oh, my God, I just, like, love you or something. Like, cannot possibly resist. But he was just like, because eventually I knew you were going to say yes. And I was like, ew. (laughs) Wah, wah. Wah, wah. You know, so, like, yeah, ew. So, like, that, we didn't hang out after that. Of course. Because that felt gross for him to go, like, because I knew I could convince you to do what I wanted. Because that takes away. Okay, so you've worked really hard for the the autonomy. Um, like, you've done your courage mm-hmm. things to have yes. the freedom of, you know, we always, we we all have choice. But then, like, sometimes it doesn't feel that way mm-hmm. in life. And so then to do the work to get the freedom to actually feel embodied in your choices. Mm-hmm. That feels like someone has manipulated you out of choice. Yes. That's, yes. I, yes, absolutely. Ew. <laughs> and this is also like a culture thing, a culture problem, a culture, an, a, you know, like a culture of entitlement, which we know leads to rape. Yeah. Amongst hella other things. Honestly, honestly, all the bad things, right? Yeah, totally. Like, it's the reason that, um, we won't deep dive into this, but it's, like, the reason that, like, major fraud happens and $8 billion disappears. Like, you know, yeah, like, whatever's going on. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. It's, like, the sense of entitlement yes. causes, honestly, these just, like, there's they're unnecessary turns of events. Like, Truly. we didn't have to have to deal with this. Yeah. Gross. Ugh. Ugh. Ew, entitlement. Okay, so, um. Feelings and needs. Feelings and needs. Yeah. You need to know what they are so that when you say... When you need to set a boundary, like, for instance, um, a boundary is, like, let's talk about the difference between, like, an actual boundary and, like, an energetic boundary. Mm -hmm. An energetic boundary, um, okay, I was recently having, uh, I set a boundary with somebody, and then they wanted to come back and argue, uh, like, fight in a way that I'm unwilling to fight. Like, I don't do dirty fighting. Uh I'm not going to be, like... Well, you're ugly and stupid. And so, therefore, nobody gets to say to me, like, you're ugly and stupid and then think that I'm going to continue to engage. So the energetic boundary for me, when they come came back to me with, like, well, you're ugly and stupid, was I'm willing to have a dialogue about this with a moderator. I'm willing to have a dialogue about this with a moderator if you're still interested in having this conversation. That's what I said. Like, mm-hmm. I'm the energetic part says, I won't engage with this mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. in this way. Yeah. And sometimes even the energetic part doesn't even require like external um, communication around it. You know, like I have boundaries with people in my family that they don't necessarily know that I have and that it works in the dynamic. I'm not saying that you can get away with never communicating boundaries. That's not how it works. But like, you know, there are certain people that like, I don't answer every time they call me because that is an energetic boundary I have with myself. So unless I'm in a place that I am prepared to engage, I just don't pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. and I don't have to explain or have an excuse for why I didn't pick up the phone. No. So that's an example of like an energetic boundary too. Yeah. And then like a physical boundary says like, okay, um, if you're a therapist or a coach or something, right? And you're work you're seeing like eight clients a day and you're like, Oh my god, why do I feel like I'm burning out? It's like, yeah, because you're seeing eight hours of literally like trauma dumping, emotional dump you know, like you're really holding space. And so like the the tangible boundary says I take five clients a day from this time to this time. And so when a client goes like, hey, can I have an appointment at 8 p.m. on Friday night? The answer is no. Automatically. No. And they're like, but I'm really having a thing. And you're like, I totally understand that. Thank you for reaching out. I can take you during this time and this time. And and Or like um, one of the examples in the journal is like if you're a parent and um, your kid keeps going into this, like, maybe you have, like, a teenager, and your kid keeps going into this, like, I don't know, your liquor cabinet, for instance, and you're like, my my friend, my child, no, you, you can't be doing that, and you keep telling them, like, no, but then this is the thing, like, you're not actually enforcing that no, because they're still able to just, like, blow through it, and then you're frustrated because you're like, I've said no to you, and you keep doing this thing, lock the cabinet, lock the cabinet take the key and then when they're like I what what the hell I can't believe you and you're like I know I hear that you're really frustrated I the reason I put the lock on is because I continue mm-hmm. to say no to you you continue mm-hmm. to disrespect my no and obviously my no wasn't clear and so it is more clear now mm-hmm. something I really appreciate um speaking of my mom again that she does is like she just she really believes in kind of like shock therapy or like doing the <laughs> doing the like big thing and so like yeah. if that feels like the situation of like putting a, an actual lock on it yes okay so two things to point out one it takes effort to set the boundary like you're gonna have to go buy the lock put it on set a code you know like you don't have time for all that but this is an important boundary to mm-hmm. set and then two like it may feel drastic but like do the drastic thing like yeah. if it requires that to get the point across right like totally. boundaries are enforced for safety for i mean honestly you're allowed to set boundaries for preference mm-hmm. for um effectiveness right like for the good of yourself and or especially in parenting for the good of everyone involved yeah and and something to get really clear about like your specific example of like the energetic boundary is yours so like ruby saying like i don't answer the phone if i'm not in a place to like receive this phone call or whatever like so I think we get really confused with the idea of, like, I've set the boundary, but the person keeps, like... They don't know that I've set the boundary. So, like, well, if they... Know, right, but, but I'm saying, like, if they keep call, you know, like, yeah. if they were to be, like, why don't you ever answer the phone? I'm just keep calling you and they leave all these long voicemails or whatever. Then I would have to be, like, this is this is why, in some capacity, like, I have to communicate yeah. why I'm not answering the phone and or say... I would love to talk to you on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Any Wednesday at 5 p.m. you totally. can call me. Yeah. And, yeah. Th- like, this is what I can do. That's, mm-hmm. like, part of a boundary. But then also, like, so say say you're in a place where you feel like you even communicated the boundary on the front end. Like, mm-hmm. hey, hey, auntie, um, I don't like answering the phone call. I don't like having phone calls at, like, 6 p.m. at night. And you always call at 6 can you call me at a different time? And then they're like, oh, yeah, totally, whatever. And then they keep calling at 6, but then you keep answering. Uh-huh. That's not a boundary. Like, you communicated a preference, but 
you haven't set the boundary because the boundary is I won't have this phone call. Requires at this time. action. Yeah, and it requires you to do it. So I, there's a lot of conversation mm. about like mm. other people disrespecting my boundaries, and it's like that will keep happening. Mm-hmm. So you got to get clear on what you will and will not do. It's not about it's not about other people, and it's not about over communicating your boundaries to other people. It's like not doing that thing anymore. Do the do the thing. That sets the boundary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about getting the other person to do it. Or getting them on board about the boundary. They don't have to like it. And let me tell you, who says this? Like, uh, the people who dislike your, or the people who react to your boundaries, the strongest are the people who benefited from you not having them the most. Mm. Yeah. So they will be upset. Mm-hmm. And we have a few examples for you. <laughs> okay. So... Kate, yeah. can you tell us about a time when you should have set a boundary? Lord, yes. And what happened? Okay. Um, okay, so I started a business when I was 24. We both did. And um, I was raised in a very, like, keep the peace sort of way. Um, also with this sense of, like, I was also raised in the church, and there's this thing of, like, you know, well you know, Jesus says to turn the other cheek. So I was like turning my cheeks, running out of cheeks, um, (laughs) not realizing that like, like I was doing like a lot of like external compassion. So somebody, for instance, like an employee would come to me and they'd be like, you know, this thing is really hard for me because this, this, and this. And then I'd be like, of course I understand that thing. And then I would be bending over backwards to like meet the need of the business. And meanwhile, like, especially it's like, I don't have deep pockets of funding for my business. You know, like if it doesn't get done, I have to do it. Um, Also startup, you know, small business, small businesses, you know, there's a lot of fluctuation with all Mm. sorts of things. And like, yeah. And I'm not saying that I could do it, have all these systems in place now that would prevent any sort of hardship from happening. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. And especially... Um, especially at 24, I, I, I had never had an experience doing this. Hello. It's like parenting. It was my first day, you know, but like I was doing it. Um, and yes, there's a lot of responsibility to it. So like, um, okay. There was like one person who worked for me and they worked there for a long time. And there were a lot of things that like, you know, like a lot of the things that I was having to talk about in therapy were because of this particular employee. And they would like say things to me and I would be like, I'd really try to be like really understanding of that thing. And then we'd make these like big system shifts in the workplace just to accommodate this one person, even though I was kind of like, like I knew in myself, I was like, this isn't right. Like, I don't want to have to be doing this. Like this doesn't benefit the business, but I thought it was my responsibility to this person. And I was discounting, well, what do I feel and what do I, what do I need and what does my business need? No one else who worked there owned the business. I owned the business. I was ultimately responsible for everything that happened. And so eventually we had to, I had tried to like have the conversations that said like, this isn't working for me or like, hey, I hear you that you want to give me feedback on this. I am not open to receiving the feedback and I get to not be open to receiving your feedback or even um, when you do give me feedback, that does not mean that I am required to do what you say. 
<laughs> but I was doing a lot of that. And so then I kind of, I sat down and I made like a memo and I made this like bullet pointed list of like, this is not okay. And here's why, you know, cause I had tried to have the conversations and it just kind of like, I felt like nothing was landing. I sat down with a therapist and we worked through this. Here's what I need to say, you know? And it was like, it was very direct. It was very clear. And um, so I sat down and then I said, we can talk about this on the phone in a week and a half or whatever. And they came back and they said, you know, I resign. And I said, okay, totally. You know, and like that was the expected, you know, due to my experience, that was the expected outcome of this particular situation. Um, Since then, I've received an email that's like, you know, this is how hurt I felt and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so it took a lot of courage for me to say hey, this behavior has to stop. These things have to stop in order for me to continue to be able to run this business. It took a lot of courage. I felt the day that I got the email that was like, I resign. I was like, I have this video of me like calling my mom and I I was just sending her a video. Maybe I couldn't leave her. You know, you should be able to leave a FaceTime mail. Yes, for sure. But anyway, so I just made her a video, sent it to her. And the video is me being like, this happened today and I feel amazing. You know, like it felt so good to get that email that said like, I'm not going to be, you're not going to have to worry about this shit anymore (laughs) because I'm not going to be here. Um, And then when I got the email about the feelings, I felt a lot of guilt because the same pattern that said you're responsible for this person's feelings, you know, was present. I felt like a lot of guilt about that. Um, And ultimately, of course, I get why you feel all those things, all the things that, you know, that. Yeah, like, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, but like, ultimately, I feel this great sense of relief that I don't, I no longer have to interact with this person Mm -hmm. in this way anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. I had very few boundaries in my 20s. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And hearing you share about, you know, like my experience that I'm going to share is similar. Mm -hmm. Like we both opened businesses when, when we were 24 and I'm wondering too, like just hearing you speak and thinking about my experiences, like, yeah, like uh, for me, like codependency really mm-hmm. got in the way of setting clear boundaries mm-hmm. and like, and like codependency um, sprinkled in with a lot of that, like uh, trying to figure out life in my 20s. So I'm really like, didn't have, like, I'm a very confident person, but I didn't have like the... I, I needed a lot of, like, validation. And so, like, mm-hmm. I wanted to, like, uh, I didn't feel confident in truly trusting mm-hmm. my gut mm-hmm. as the baseline mm-hmm. for what I know to be true. And so I let other people's feelings or opinions kind of, like, murky that. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, then, and then there's the part, you know, like, being natural caretakers and, like, mm-hmm. nurturers. And, like, really a gift of ours is, like, working with people. And both of the environments of our workplaces were geared towards people. And, like, the values were the people. And so I really let... compassion shame. Yeah, well, I just, like, I, compassion just, like, flowed out of me. And, yeah, and if I wasn't compassionate enough, then that made me a bad Mm -hmm. boss person human. Yeah. And, And I was investing this emotional codependent energy and and like uh 
into into my employees, you know, or like yeah. into people who it was, it was I could have shown I could have shown compassion and space and grace and been the boss. And I don't recall it being like I wanted to be like everybody's friend. It didn't feel like that, but it felt like I want I want everyone to be happy here. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to be happy here. I want them to feel seen. I want them to feel welcomed. Yeah. And I did a really good job at that. And I really do believe that I could have still done a, a very good job at that um, at not the expense of my own well-being. Totally. And so what – and I'll I'll share a story in a second. But, like, what I notice as a pattern is then because I was emotionally invested and they were not because I was just their boss or the owner of this business, mm-hmm. um, I, at the end of the day, always felt abandoned, yeah. betrayed, totally. left – unmet because there wasn't anyone because it wasn't appropriate two things right it wasn't appropriate that I was doing that for them and so and also like I guess they knew by default it wasn't appropriate for them to like be that for their boss or whatever Mm -hmm. but like even in the some people who like were my friends Mm -hmm. like they did not return the mutual energetic investment Mm -hmm. and therefore I was just all perpetually like left out in the cold Mm -hmm. and I and I I just recognize it as a pattern that I had the whole time I owned my business and I don't mean it as like like I don't consider myself a victim in that I really take like full responsibility for that happening and ooh, it just it does feel personally devastating that I, when I look back, I recognize how I positioned myself to be like a, a like a welcome mat. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> like getting stepped on. And so like the first experience I had of this was I had opened my business. I had only been open for six months. One of the teachers who I hired, uh, I owned a yoga studio. One of the teachers who I hired, um, I didn't have a previous rapport with, but... Uh, I met this person. We talked about it. I felt I I'm I trust people quite easily. Mm-hmm. So he joined my team. He was a teacher there. I really like. I felt like I really kind of pedestaled him in the way he wanted to teach, and I gave him a lot of feedback. And I was just like, wow, he he is invested here or whatever. And then six months in, he all of a sudden was like, in two weeks, I'm opening my own studio less than a mile away from here. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking all of your systems and and processes that I've just learned. And with that, yeah, I can't know that for sure. But the reflection in it was that everything that I had done in the last six months to open a new business, he just like took and mimicked and then also took most of my team, none of them, not a single person who worked for me and went to work with for him simultaneously, talked to me about it before. They just all started teaching at both places. Mm-hmm. And so the boundary that I should have set from the very beginning was if you teach here, like a non-compete, right? Like you cannot open a studio within a 10-mile radius. Totally. Um, you cannot teach anywhere else within yeah. a five-mile radius, right? Like these are systems, uh, boundaries within the systems that if I were to go back, I would put into place to mm-hmm. prevent this devastation from happening and honestly that that really like first of all took me a long time to get over because of the amount of like betrayal and abandonment I I felt it was the first time maybe not the first time it felt like the biggest time in my adult life so far that I had felt 
just really smacked across the face. And there's also this thing in, like, business where, where people are like, oh, it's business. It's not personal. And you're like, I've... That's bullshit. This is the most personal thing I've ever done. This space is the most personal space that I've ever created. I made this for the child part of myself. And then here you are. Like that it only it on, people can only say it's business not personal when they're the person who's fucking somebody else mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And like for me, I I don't I, Definitely don't do things perfectly, but like I have a way, like a standard for how things should be done. So, you know, like I taught at a different studio before I opened mine, but I quit six months in advance and told them what I was Mm -hmm. doing and was just like really clear and straight up. And like it was on the other side of town. I just felt like I did a better job at like how that should be handled. (laughs) And so then for someone to, to like treat me so poorly in that I was like I would never well and there's the part of that too that you are going like if I was in this person's shoes how would I want to be treated Mm -hmm. and that's a big part of a self-study practice oh my gosh yes is going like whether I think that whether okay and also it speaks to that sense of like entitlement like, oh, well, I feel entitled to do this just because I fucking can't. And it's like, okay, I, I hear that. And, like, I guess I do feel entitled to do it. But does it in my heart feel like the right thing to do mm-hmm. to treat somebody like mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. And I get that this opportunity is in front of me. But, like, is there any yeah. way? Because, it, yeah. That is an example. And that felt like it really also set the precedent for just, like, I think it made me feel super tender, obviously, mm-hmm. because my feelings were so hurt and I didn't have a good enough relationship for that to like feel like it could be appropriately expressed. And then also all of a sudden we were both in business in the same town. And mm-hmm. I also just like don't believe in bashing another business. Yeah, same. Um, so it just felt like I had to like really keep quiet about this traumatic experience yeah. that had happened to me. And then that's the other thing is that when you have to be quiet because somebody else has like... Yeah, it's like that's where the shame gets started Mm -hmm. is because then you're having to be quiet about it. And then you're going like, I feel so hurt about this thing. But then it's like, do I even have the right to be feeling hurt about this? Or, you know, and like when you don't have any boundaries, all those stories become Uh true. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you don't have any right to be hurt about this. You should have fixed that before it happened, you know. And then like. How did you, what did you do to (laughs) let this happen? Yeah. And I can, you know, like I just expressed, like I can point to the things that I didn't do that allowed this to happen. (laughs) And honestly, that kind of thing just kept happening over and over, Mm -hmm. even to the end of like selling my business and moving Mm -hmm. and I've been dealing and then I've been dealing with the repercussions of those boundaries I hadn't set for like a year now um because it I don't know you know like part of me wants to be like why didn't I learn but this you know the circumstances were different and it does feel though like this is a big lesson from like boundaries is a really big Mm -hmm. lesson for me to learn in my lineage I think Mm -hmm. me too and and so it makes sense that there are like layers to that right so like He wasn't anyone who, like, I had much rapport with, but it's still, like, really, really hurt and betrayed. And so then, like, uh, more recently, I've had experience with um, also employees. And I guess, you know, like, I hate to only speak to the experience of us owning businesses, but literally our entire world revolved around our businesses. And so it's just, like, what I have to speak experience to. Um, Yeah. 
just a bunch of i mean there's a laundry list of fucked up shit that happened that i'm like there could have been a different boundary or even a boundary set in the moment and and i guess i just really want to presence that of like this is really hard and doing it perfect doesn't exist and being able though to be able to be like okay this is where I could have done better. Let's your brain know in the future when something similar starts to happen. Like red flag. Yeah. Sirens going off. Like, yeah. okay, this is I can I can choose differently this time. And also something to say though is that like boundaries are not the same as rules of a workplace. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you can implement rules of a workplace and then um like for instance I have a client right now and, and, you know, one of her rules of the workplace is like, and and she's been expressing the rules as boundaries. She's like, this is one of the boundaries of the workplace. And so then one, and you know, they're like, you're allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. You know, whatever. Um, then though, one of her, one of her employees says back to her, okay, well, my boundary is that you can't text me. I, you can't text me when I'm off. But this very same employee never do, never follows. She doesn't do a lot of the rules of the workplace, and so then the business owner who is who I'm working with feels like I really want to respect her boundaries, though. And I'm like, I understand that you're her boss, though. And whether she answers, whether she responds to you on the Monday that you're doing payroll when she hasn't clocked out for her breaks all week or whatever the rule is. Um, you, she doesn't have to respond to you, but you can still text her and say, this is not appropriate. We're going to be having a meeting about this on Tuesday instead of her having to wait and then not be able to run, like not be able to run the business yeah. because she is accommodating. accommodating for every single one of these people that works for her. And she is just like <sighs> drowning in other people's well, boundaries. Well, and it, and it just, it derails everything, you know, like yeah. another experience that I have is that um, I had a teacher desire to have a relationship with a Mm -hmm. student, and I did say no. I said, that is not appropriate, no. We we together had a conversation (laughs) with this person about, like, why is this appropriate? This is not okay. And then... um, they both defied me. I did check in with both of them individually and they both looked me in the eyes, each of them, and we were like, this. we want this. Mm-hmm. And so then the, I don't know, Tinder week, whatever part of myself. The part that wants <laughs> love, that wants for like. Was like, okay, I'll trust y'all. All right. Okay. But you all know that you yeah. have chosen this and I have given you space for that, but I don't agree with this happening Mm -hmm. and then you know it imploded six months later it imploded to the point of having to have a mediator i had to go to a mediator i had to have weekly meetings with these people my uh like next tier in leadership my manager turned on me like Mm -hmm. literally caused a ripple effect the 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 rest of the team obviously didn't understand like caused a ripple effect of damage Mm -hmm. In my business. And then it's like somehow all of that was your fault. Like you were like the easy scapegoat for that. And because we are people who want to like face a challenge, the face the situation, you were like, this did, y'all did meet here. And so like, yes, let's discuss. But then also maybe what the boundary should have been was I had this conversation with you all. You all chose to deal with this. I am not involved in this any longer. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. I haven't been involved in this. Mm-hmm. I've never been involved in this. Mm-hmm. What I told you was my preference. And and so then again, it's like maybe in the beginning, instead of expressing a preference, it, it should have been... A hard, fast rule. Like if you want to work yeah. here, you can't no. date each and other. And if you all would like to date each other, then you cannot work here anymore, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. That would yeah. be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So then I'm like, okay, well, why didn't I do that? Well, what boundaries... Boundaries really... The need for boundaries really puts us face-to-face with our fears. Yeah, Like what – like in that moment, I was afraid of losing the help that that teacher provided. I was afraid of losing a friendship in in a few different people. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of looking bad. I was afraid of my – honestly it was like on the front end I was afraid of my business being bashed and then on the back end I was also afraid of my business being bashed um so there's just like I just want to acknowledge that the moment where a boundary belongs really puts us face to face with our fears and that is just not easy no no I have recently had to really tell someone like how I feel and set some boundaries and um what that triggered in me is completely losing all of my family and so like to be faced with that sense coupled with the sense of I know I must do this thing wildly terrifying Mm -hmm. anxiety another moment for courage we're in a little bit of a courage freedom boundaries this is like a good place in the themes where it kind of yeah it's like trust courage freedom boundaries trust courage Mm -hmm. freedom boundaries and then you know like Obviously, all the themes work together, and the yeah. next one is really essential after totally. this one. Um, but yeah, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot. Boundaries take so much effort, and and there's so much miscommunication about like what they are, and then also like culturally, we kind of, and especially, uh, just especially women mm-hmm. get this, um, get told like, um, you were mean to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. never heard anybody <laughs> tell a man, you were mean to me. But the amount of people who have, who, when I say like, hey, it doesn't feel good for me when this happens. And then they say, well, you're being mean to me. And I'm like, I just told you, how? what the fuck? I haven't said anything mean. I haven't said anything mean mm-hmm. to you. I haven't tried to disparage you as a person. Unlike what you are doing back to me. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's this whole, like, well, should you have said it? Should you not have said it? I don't know. Was that the nice thing to do? And it's like, I'm not trying to be nice. I'm trying to create a radical gym in the heart of Nashville, Tennessee, that is doing bigger and better than what every Mm -hmm. other, what the fitness industry as a whole Mm -hmm. is offering to the world. I am trying to create a space for healing. And so when you're trying to do something like that, your boundaries and your intuition and your gut have to be hella strong Mm -hmm. because those are what got you here to this powerful place in the first place. And they are the only thing that will keep it going. Mm-hmm. But what cannot keep it going is the way that in our 20s, we bent over backwards thinking that not only does this place have to be a place where we feel like most people can come and have a wonderful experience in a yoga studio or a fitness space, but also for some reason, everybody should feel should good feel should be able to work here too. oh though. my gosh yes that this should be a place for everybody to be employed and it's like no in fact what i need for you to have the same sort of gumption that i have so that we're all clear on how how like what is necessary to create a new 
radical thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like not having any boundaries ain't it. Well, and what you're speaking to in like a distilled version is like, and it's not about being nice, but being honest, right? Mm-hmm. And so honest to what? Honest to your values and, like, what you're up to in mm-hmm. your life or your business or, like, whatever the context mm-hmm. of the boundary setting exists in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just pointing to, you know, from our own experience, like, getting good at boundaries is a process. And also it's, like, nuanced from person to person. Yes. Uh, degree of separation that you yeah. have with them. Scenario. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, sometimes it's even harder for me to say to people who are like really distant from me or like kind of distant. Um, it's almost sometimes even harder for me to set a boundary with that person because mm-hmm. I'm like, I have, I sometimes really do have this thing where I'm like, I hope they'll just disappear and I'll never have to do this. Oh, for sure. Well, and that, okay, so this circles back to why you must download the Feelings and Needs workshop mm-hmm. because it gives you a whole list of, of, uh feelings it's not exhaustive but a lot of feelings to choose from and to me I'm it really helps me to see it and be like that's how I feel and then it gives you a whole list of needs and what happens when you again can articulate those things okay and as you start to articulate them on a regular basis you are training your brain and your body and your systems Mm -hmm. that they're important and when you believe that how you feel and what you need is important then you are sufficiently um uh supported in setting the boundary because when the hard moment comes in setting the boundary Mm -hmm. you have the belief deep down inside you that says okay but i'm worthy of having my needs met how i feel is not bullshit how Mm -hmm. i feel is is present for me Mm -hmm. and it may not always like point directly at like the truth Mm -hmm. but it's worth recognizing and listening to and like doing something about this need that I have. It also says the my feelings are just as important as the person. Oh my gosh, that. Yeah, because like that, and that was a big part of our thing was like, well, because I'm the business owner and there's this inherent hierarchy. I don't get to here, feel. I don't get to have any feelings. I don't get to have any needs. They're like only my responsibility. And then therefore all 25 of these people who work for me, their feelings are 100% my responsibility, my fault. Meeting their needs is important. Yeah. So then like they get paid before I do. <laughs> If I ever get paid, you know, and it's like, it, whatever, we don't have to I know. Like, everybody should get paid. Yeah. Everybody should be paid, a, a not a living wage, a thriving wage. There's so much money in the world for it to go around and for everybody to be well. And that's not the way that the systems are set up. And so it's like, if you've never had to be the business owner who is ultimately fully responsible for every single thing that happens here, plus you haven't been paid in six months, like, let me tell you about the resentment that that feels, you know? And so, okay, and then that's another thing is that we've talked about resentment before, I think, on the podcast, but like, I come from a long lineage of resentment. And what I know is that you either practice resentment or you practice not resentment. (laughs) And so like for me, I, yeah, like once I got to a space of like hella resentment, I was like, something has to give. And it was, this is not okay. This is not okay. This is not okay. This is not okay. And they were like, whoa, where the fuck did that come from? And it was like, I actually, Mm -hmm. I totally get why you have no clue where that comes from. I'm unwilling to have that full on conversation. This is just a new way of being. And, and like, that's okay too. Right. And so like, um, obviously resentment, has a bad reputation you know it's like nobody wants to feel resentment it doesn't feel good to feel resented Mm -hmm. at or resentful for and noticing that resentment as a feeling means there are some hella needs that have not been met 
And now, and every feeling offers us this. There's also a great blog post on our blog um, about like, what is anger? What is it for? What, you know, what, what's the deal? And like anger tells us when something is unjust, what a fucking cool thing that we have an inner guide Mm. that says either I'm not being treated well, someone I love is not being treated well, people in the world are not being treated well. Whatever it is that you care about is what's going to fuel your anger. And that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And resentment says, like, what does resentment says? Resentment says, I'm not... See me. See me. I feel like resentment says, like, see me. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I watched my mom have a lot of resentment towards all kinds of people Mm -hmm. in her life. And I also watched, like, it's almost like, you know, when you can kind of, like see a part of somebody just kind of like wither away mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. that makes me angry mm-hmm. because I love her mm-hmm. yeah and resentment you know like w- the part that's like see me it is it speaking to a part this is how it feels for me like a part inside of me that says see me because like I often get uh resentment can often come up for me around also jealousy like I'm like yeah. ha- the audacity or like how yes. dare that person uh uh take time for themselves mm-hmm. in the middle of the day I don't even have time to eat breakfast you mm-hmm. know and the resentment is like um see the part of me that has needs and gets to like meet them totally and you know jealousy kind of does the same thing and it's like oh like something is missing and there needs yeah. to be a boundary like there's there's a need not getting met yeah and, okay something's missing and then there needs to be a boundary so now you got to do the boundary so like you you notice the resentment you noticed the jealousy, the envy, like whatever. And then you're like, okay, if I'm jealous that somebody takes off in the middle of the day, what that person is showing me is that some people take off in the middle of the day. What I'm hearing in myself is I want to take off in the middle of the day. What's necessary in order for me to get to be- take off in the middle of the day? Mm-hmm. What do we got to do here? And, and, like, somet- and sometimes it's like literal, like obviously like ask your boss or give yourself permission to like mm. take off in the middle of the day. But then there's also the layers of beliefs that exist, yes. you know, that's like, uh, it's lazy to take off in the middle of the mm. day or like, uh, people are going to think I'm not working if I take off in the middle mm. of the day or, or I couldn't possibly make money if I take off in the middle of the day. Yeah. Or they're definitely going to say no to me. The yeah. people in charge. And then we're like already just like giving in to mm-hmm. giving into the, and just, and that's what resentment is. And recognizing yeah. that those are like, be- personal beliefs yeah. that are malleable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I can change my mind. You know, like I used I used to have some feelings about like uh one time I just distinctly remember having a therapy session where my therapist was I can't remember the context exactly, but she was like, "Well, you know, what would happen if you slept till 10 a.m.?" And I was like, <gasps> "How dare you? I'm not the kind of person who sleeps at 10 a.m." Yeah. And you know, she's like, what's the kind of person who sleeps yeah. till 10 a.m. and I'm like somebody who doesn't get shit done mm-hmm. and I'm the kind of person who gets shit done you I know done. like this is, these are beliefs that we have that then like keep us from getting our needs met quite honestly yeah totally yeah should we let's um let's talk about times that we've done a good job setting boundaries okay. <laughs> and what happened there okay um I'm like, have I ever said a boundary? Honestly, in my life that's why I haven't decided which one I'm gonna which one I'm gonna do yet because yeah. I'm literally like, what's a boundary I've successfully set? Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
okay, here's something. In my in my eleventh grade English class, what's the poem? I think it's Robert Frost, and it's like oh, two roads diverged yeah, in narrow wood. And yeah. sorry, I couldn't travel both and be one traveler long. I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bit in the undergrowth. <laughs> and so my English teacher, like the way that most people use that poem, his name was called Dr. Bader, by the way. Shout out to Dr. Bader. Dr. Bader. 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 <laughs> Dr. Bader thought I was, um, that I was cheating in his class. And he asked me this like 10 years later when I went in to be a speaker for career day. He was like, how did you pass my class? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you were always cheating. And I was like, what do you mean I was always cheating? He was like, you never paid attention in class, but I was a doodler. And so I always was just sitting there doodling. But I also never read any of the homework. So he thought that I was cheating on the tests Mm -hmm. because I would always fail the pop quizzes, but then get an A on the test. But I was getting an A on the test because while I was doodling, I was listening. Yeah. Anyway, shout out to Dr. Bader. So that, um, that, um, that poem. Robert Frost. Um, everybody uses it to be like, see, you should take the road less traveled because you might end up in a... Well, I don't know. I don't remember. Somewhere <laughs> that other people... Whatever. I don't even know. But the idea is like, take the road less traveled. And he was like, nowhere in this poem does it say to take the road less traveled. It just says that there, that there is, is a road less traveled. And he was like, sometimes the very best thing to do, like when you take the road less traveled, you got to hack down your path. You got to, maybe it's good in there, but maybe it's not good in there. And so maybe sometimes it's just the right thing to take the road that people have already been using. Like, maybe there's a reason for this other road and maybe you could just benefit from it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think sometimes the reason that it's hard for me to go, this was a good thing, is because it's like, I also don't know what it would have been like if I hadn't Mm. set the boundary. Mm. But the thing is, is that generally for me, what I know that comes with setting the boundary eventually is relief. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so like... Maybe, maybe, so, like, I think that's part of the reason that I hesitate to say, to say, I know that I made the right decision because it's, like, I can't have taken both roads. Mm -hmm. I can't have not set the boundary and then continued down that path. So, like, I can't say that it actually wouldn't be better on Mm -hmm. the other side of that thing. But, like, when I think about times where I've, like, but when I... Okay, and maybe then there's also what I was just saying about, like, you know, when you feel a part of somebody, like, dying a little bit inside. Like, I used to date this guy, and I loved him so much. And the and the emotion of love and the way that I felt connected to him and the truth that I can say that he helped parts of me not die. Mm-hmm. I can be really honest about that, and I know that he was good for me, and I think there were really ways in which I was good for him. And I started to feel that if I stayed with him, parts of me were dying, like other parts. So like while he helped part of me come alive, I felt like also other parts of me were kind of dying a little bit. And I didn't want that Mm. to happen. And so like we had to break up and I, you know, like I had to be just be like, I don't know why. And I kind of hate this because I love you and Also, I can see the ways in which you've helped me heal some things, but also I feel other parts of me dying like we're all along at the same time. And those parts that I felt dying then don't feel dead now. Mm -hmm. And so like, and the same thing with like, um, 
you know, I've had to really be honest with myself about um, some of the, like, advice maybe that I go to my parents for or like I want I want to have older people in my life who are my family who I can like really go to for certain things and then though like having to go okay Kate you need to have some discernment here when you listen to their advice or what they think or whatever because they also have limitations in, mm-hmm. in themselves. And just because you want this, if you don't if you don't start having some discernment, those parts of you are going to die. Mm-hmm. Or like that situation with the business. Like if, if I was going to keep working with that person, the only thing I could... I hated working with this person. And so it was like... So how do how am I going to survive in this situation? I guess, mm-hmm. and and then also like I'm going through a move right now, and that was because like I was feeling parts of myself dying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I don't feel dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, something that you're speaking to when it comes to like noticing those parts, uh-huh. and like um, maybe you've heard us speak to in a podcast, or just depending on how long you've been following our work. Uh, is this like threshold situation yeah. and so um yeah and so like noticing those things and then it coming to because it's not like as soon as you notice something's off right mm-hmm. you set a boundary and go a different direction mm-hmm. but it's like once it hits what feels like the threshold for you that's when the fork in the road presents yeah. itself uh-huh. right it's like here's the threshold i can either continue in this way and my experience shows me that there's mm-hmm. more of the same going to come from that or I can set off on a new way and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And setting, you know, this feels related to like our courage episode. Mm-hmm. Um, because courage then requires, it's why boundaries come two themes later. It's like it requires that then boundaries get put into place mm-hmm. so that there is that structure like we talked about it earlier. Um, and I know like for myself, something I want to, I want to speak to, uh, the humor that we both got from being like, when have I ever set a boundary? Um, <laughs> live to do. It's very important, but we've never done it. So yeah. I don't know. You're good luck. <laughs> to you. And I just want to, I want to point out that that's not, it's not true that we've never done no, it. Truly. What it, what it is, is like boundaries is another one of these themes or words that, is and feels very big and mm-hmm. it feels like in order to do it you have to do something drastic all at once but that's not my experience mm-hmm. of boundaries in fact my experience of growing and therefore setting boundaries with myself as i evolve and with you know like in my life as i evolve is that they happen incrementally and so like something i can speak to that i can say is that like i'm actually really good at now in my life setting boundaries about when i work yeah but that that wasn't all of a sudden i chose set a boundary and became good at having boundaries about when i work that was actually something that started before I even opened my business, just like my relationship to work and like the thoughts that I had about it. And then the threshold was that I had to get really burnt out. And also even before that, just like the the daily wear and tear, like I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't doing work-life balance. I knew that that wasn't happening. 
And so it was, I was present to it, but I didn't know how to implement it. I felt really stuck on implementing it until it got built to a threshold that allowed me to be like, okay, well, actually, I don't work on this day of the week, you know? And so I can see when I look back on my relationship to work, over time, I've set these yeah. little baby boundaries along the way that have become a beautiful boundary that allows me freedom to choose when I'm available for work and when I'm not and to communicate that and also to have flexibility in that in a way that is healthy versus and empowering instead of disempowering instead of disempowering and rigid or like instead of always allowing um like whoever the other uh like counterpart is to like manipulate or like get the trump like the trump card in the experience um and yeah, so that, that has happened like really small increments over time. And so like probably though the first and even to say that I was bad at it is like not fair, right? Because like in the day to day, I knew that something was missing in my capacity to be balanced. Even from the beginning of owning my business, I I just kind of like I took two weeks off every year. I was like, I'm going out of the country. Y'all are going to be fine. I need this. And yeah. that was a boundary that I did in this, like, I know that doesn't seem little to everyone, but I was still working on my vacation. So, like, it uh, was a little boundary yeah. to the point where, like, my last year of owning my business, I was like, I'm so burnt out from all this bullshit that has gone down. I'm taking seven weeks off mm-hmm. with my boyfriend and y'all aren't going to call me and I will be available on Mondays during this two hour period. And otherwise y'all take care of it. Cause mm-hmm. I've spent the last four years training you how to run this place and I should be able to recover. I deserve to recover. And then eventually, you know, like after that, I was, I wasn't recovered. I was, I was astonished that I had not recovered in seven weeks from the truly four, five years of right you know just like yeah. non-stop and then the boundary became like I can't you know part of the boundary setting was like I can't have everything I know that I want and need and mm-hmm. desire all at once like so I have to give up something which was the business in order to create space for my um the next phase of my life with mm-hmm my husband like this person who I love and this adventure that is calling me truly and all yeah I just really wanted to speak to the fact that like being a good boundary setter setter happens in baby steps probably truly and boundaries are not breakups and quitting jobs and firing employees like that like they are but like (laughs) that's not the only way that boundaries are Mm -hmm. yeah boundaries are small things as well Mm -hmm. just like anything just like courage is small things and it's big ginormous things Mm -hmm. And also, okay, and then also, um, you know, you heard us talk about on the courage episode, like, courage according to whom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it's also, like, boundaries according to whom. You know, Mm -hmm. boundaries according to you. Boundaries help you get your needs met. Mm -hmm. So how are you getting your needs met? And also, speaking of feelings and needs, by the way, we regularly, throughout the day, how are you feeling and what are you needing? And so, like, that's a great way to continue to, that's, like, a flexible way to meet your feelings, meet your needs, and set boundaries throughout the day mm-hmm. that say, hey, you know, I think I can work for another, like, three hours, and I want to get this thing done, and then after that, I'm going to need this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, you don't have to have boundaries. Boundaries are not, like, this, like, rigid structure that say, here's my, like, big schedule, and there's no room for flexibility because I've already set the boundary. It's, like... Boundaries happen 
just like regularly throughout mm-hmm. the day. Like it's the difference between going like, like right now I kind of think that we have quite a few dirty dishes in the kitchen, but <laughs> like we'll get to them when we get to them. And yes, we like to have a clean kitchen and also we had to do this podcast. Yeah. But yeah. And like we wanted to do this. And so the boundary was, we'll clean up the kitchen when we get to the kitchen. Well, and I think the part of the boundary was like, we've said we're going to do this thing at this yeah. time today. And it is this time and we haven't gotten to the dishes. So we will just have to get to the dishes later. Yeah. And then though, it's like those limiting beliefs that, um, like, I know somebody who's who gets really like if the place is a mess, then like I cannot possibly do anything. But then therefore they're never getting to do anything that they want to do because they're always having to clean, clean the up. Clean up, yeah. And so the energetic boundary for yourself is like yes, maybe that's true. Yes, maybe I feel all over the place when this. Okay, well how can I how can I be in a place of my home that is like mine? I can close the door to the kitchen so that I cannot see the mess in the kitchen, you know? And then the boundary says, maybe this is not my mess. Mm-hmm. I won't be cleaning this. Mm-hmm. I'm just not cleaning this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, boundaries are not always just huge things. Mm-hmm. They're small sometimes, mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like often so hard, like even mm-hmm. the little ones. And so just giving yourself so much grace and like like, I feel like I just did over the course of this of being like, okay, hold on. So dramatic. In our house, we say dramatic giraffe. So mm-hmm. dramatic giraffe that we have never set a boundary in Truly. our life that worked. Truly. Um, in fact, we've just been in practice, which is what all of this mm-hmm. is about. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, been in practice of going what feels good and what feels right. Mm. And so, like, one of my boundaries is I don't do things that don't feel good and right. And what I'll say about good and right and right <laughs> is, like, good and right according to me. So, like, um, you know, a thing in our business was there was, like, a lot of, like, partnership opportunities. And some of them would have been, like, great opportunities. and But I was still, like, this partnership doesn't feel good and right to me. So, like, mm-hmm. yes, maybe a great opportunity f- for the business. But what does it mean to be... What does it mean to sign myself up for an opportunity that doesn't feel good and right? Is that really truly an opportunity for me? Well, and that's why um, all all of these themes are so important because your self-study practice gives you access to what does it mean for something to, to feel mm-hmm. good and right to me. And I think, you know, like um, doing what feels good gets a lot of like flack for being like flippant or like Mm -hmm. pleasure seeking or like having no foundation or discipline or morals or ethics or whatever and like that's not what we mean right like what we mean is you've studied and been with yourself long enough to know actually like what your values are and what feels morally sound and ethical and therefore to choose the next right and good thing that comes up yeah you know totally. and like that goes for every area of your life right like your self-study practice touches every single area of your life so it means like choosing what feels good and right to eat for breakfast choosing what feels good to and right to do in your career next yeah like i don't eat sweet things for breakfast because they don't make me feel good i like to have one thing for breakfast it is <laughs> eggs and toast <laughs> together as a sandwich a, not even a sandwich uh an open-faced <laughs> i like you know but like yeah i want <laughs> I want eggs for breakfast like every single day. So if somebody's like, here, I made 
like pancakes. Yeah, sweet pancakes or something. I'm like, that's awesome. I don't want that. Not because I hate you. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good and right for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, not that there's anything wrong with pancakes. And that goes also for, you know, like uh, something that's coming to mind is along with like uh, things that pertain to the body, right? Is like what kind of movement feels good and right. There's mm-hmm. not the right way to exercise. There's not a right way to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. There's not a right way to set boundaries in your life. It is okay, how can I get so clear about my feelings and needs and who I am? And like, what a fun journey that we get to be on that there is just like an infinite supply of entertainment and knowledge and depth within ourselves to uncover and discover and then to come out into the world, you know, from that inside out and be like, okay, well, what feels good and right here? And then trusting, trust, trusting your gut to tell you like, okay, this is, this is my heart leading me in this direction, whether that's towards eggs mm-hmm. or towards a walk or towards a cross-country move. Yep. Yeah. We have an exercise for you, a boundary-setting exercise. Um, oh. Okay, there are a couple notes here that we would just like to point out before we give you your exercise. One is that, like, and we said all of this in uh, what we've just said about boundaries, but not so explicitly, and it feels important to say it explicitly, not setting boundaries ruins relationships. And so while it feels in the moment like setting the boundary is what's going to ruin the relationship, it's actually the opposite. And just tell yourself that over and over, put it on a post-it or something, not setting the boundary ruins relationships yes yes period (laughs) and and being kind being compassionate um kindness and compassion are full circle things so if you are somebody out in the world who's like i want to be kind i want to be compassionate i want to be understanding that practice includes yourself and what being kind and being compassionate and understanding is not is is rationalizing of of behavior that either mm-hmm. mistreats you mm-hmm. or mistreats others. Like rationalizing bad shit mm-hmm. is not kind, is not compassionate, and that includes you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you deserve to have relationships that are mutual in respect and care and mm-hmm. support and love and meeting of needs. Yes. And household chores. And household fucking chores. <laughs> it takes a lot to survive. People are should be on your team. Prentice Hemphill says, boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. Yeah, that feels like a sigh. (laughs) That feels nice. Okay, well, let's dive into an exercise. So download the feelings and needs PDF from thedualityproject.com on the blog and work through that. Identify some feelings. Identify some needs that need to be met. And then make three sentences for yourself that say, that are brainstorming, what are three small ways, what are three small steps that I can do to be on my way to getting this need met? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just thinking about, um, yeah, that prompt and then, you know, like some other exercises we've given you, like another piece of that is like, uh, who do I need to ask for support? And that might also be like, who, who do I need 
either on my team to make this boundary happen or to set the boundary with to like make my yeses yeses and my noes noes mm-hmm. towards getting this need met. Yeah. Hey, I'm trying to do this new thing in my life. Can you support me in doing this? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. And what I love about this exercise, honestly, is like boundaries sounds big and scary and uh, and it doesn't have to be, you know, really? it doesn't, it really doesn't have to be. And so even as you enroll people in it, um, just by calling it a boundary, you're, and then whatever it is, um, you're teaching yourself and mm-hmm. those people that boundary doesn't have to be a big scary word. It doesn't, like setting a boundary doesn't have to feel like we need to talk. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Hey. You know when someone like texts you and they're like, we need to talk. Or like, or like, I have I have a friend <laughs> and she never means it as an emergency, but she just always, when she wants to just call connect, me. she says, call me. <laughs> My dad does that same shit too. It drives me nuts. <laughs> call me. And but, I'm like, what's the emergency? <laughs> but then the boundary for me is. I just don't get alarmed by it anymore. This is how this person <laughs> communicates and I will call them when I can get to it. Instead of getting this person this one three-word text, like, wildly activating me into oblivion, thinking that somebody's died. Oh, <sighs> uh, yeah. Okay. Express yourself with confidence and compassion. The self-study program gives you the skills and techniques to explore your feelings, identify your needs, set boundaries, and communicate clearly and compassionately so that who you want to be aligns with how you show up. It's literally what we spend time teaching you to do Absolutely. in the self-study program. The self-study program offers a container for inquiry and self-discovery. It's a place for you to land. When you give yourself a framework for accountability, you open yourself to the possibilities that are awaiting you. The self-study program is a group coaching curriculum that fosters autonomy, yes and thinking, and meaningful connection. We do it together as a reminder that we are not alone. Get your journal, get your feelings and needs inventory, get your merch, apply for the self-study program. We're really, I mean, I'm feeling really excited for the next theme. Yeah. Because it is just, you're going to, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to, you're going to learn to love it. (laughs) And in the meantime, maybe happy. Yeah. Maybe healthy. Maybe safe. Maybe free. Bye. Bye.